you today and serve you any way we can. So if you need anything at all, please let us know. We would love to do that. Um, so this past week, uh, Courtney and I had the uh, blessing to get to go and gather with um, other senior pastors and their wives of the Great Commission Collective, the group of churches that we're a part of, um, and just have some, some fellowship time with them and some just kind of retreat time and get filled up and, and uh, get to hear some really fantastic teaching on um, marriage and ministry and family and how to, how to do that well. And um, so I just want to start by just saying thank you all so much. We are so um, thankful and grateful and recognize that we are blessed to have a church that allows us to go and do things like that and helps us uh, care well for us and for our family and builds us up. And so, so thankful also for the Great Commission Collective, the group of churches that we're a part of, and just the way that they pour into us as well. Um, they make your pastor a better pastor, um, which makes our church a better church. And so we're so thankful for them and their partnership. And um, we're going to be hearing more about things are going to be coming up with the Great Commission Collective in the coming days and some churches being planted and some resources they're going to be rolling out and some trainings they're offering to us. And so just so, uh, so blessed to be a part of a group of churches that's going after the Great Commission and really um, all about the, the work of the Lord. So, but because I was gone all this last week, I did not have time uh, to prepare a sermon today. So we're done. You can just go ahead and go home. Um, that's it. Uh, actually, no, not at all. Uh, we are so excited today. Today is a huge, another big day in the life of our church, another big day in the life of a dear friend um, and colleague of mine. Today, our very own Nathaniel Bergstrom is going to bring his first message from God's Word to our church. Can we give him a hand as he comes on up? Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Ooh, this is wild. I'm loving it. Thank you guys so much, and thank you to Pastor Micah for just allowing me the opportunity to share God's word with you for the very first time. This is really awesome already. I'm, I'm pumped. Um, yes. I'm so excited for us to be able to continue in our study in the book of Acts. So let's do that. Let's grab our Bibles. And if you don't have a Bible with you, there should be some Bibles along the rows of chairs that you can grab and use during the service this morning. But I encourage you uh, to follow along in the story because we're going to cover a really cool story here. In, at the top of chapter 12 here in the book of Acts. We're going to do that in just a moment. And we're going to see in this story just God's power displayed um, in his response to his people's prayers. If you've, uh, if you've been with us for any amount of time, you've probably heard us talk about that period of time in our church before we launched. You know, we just celebrated our third anniversary as a launch church, which is like, yeah, super awesome. Just really incredible um, but before that, we were, really, we were just a small group of people, and we were just praying daily for God's will to be done in the moving forward of this church. And so through fasting and prayer gatherings and just like calling out to him, we were just crying out to the Lord for him just to, to make a clear mission for our church. And that was a time that I saw uh, the power of prayer just in full action in my life in that season. But that period of time always makes me think back just even a little bit further before like, we had ever even heard about Harvest. Um, and it was a time in my life when, like, quite honestly, prayer uh, was not my first response to what was going on in my life. So the first uh, couple of years of college, I was pretty clueless. Um, hopefully someone else can relate. Pretty clueless. I just, I had no idea what I wanted to do with like the rest of my life. Um, I'd been involved in worship ministry for a while at that point, but I, I just had only ever assumed that 
ministry could be like a hobby or kind of like a side thing I did. That's just really what I saw a lot growing up. So I ended up being a history major for a semester, which um, I can tell you, I learned very quickly that there's a big difference between like, oh, history is interesting, to like, I want to devote my entire academic and professional life to the study of history. Like, I did not love history that much, I will tell you, at all. Um, but uh, through just counseling and through the encouragement of some really key people in my life at that time, and just through just the love and patience from my parents, um, I finally declared my worship ministry ma major. And man, I'll tell you, like, it just all felt so right and so good in that moment, just to have a, some kind of clear path for me. Um, but because of that, um, it took me an extra year of college to graduate, and I just, I gotta throw this in here. Um, my, my last semester of my last year, of my fifth year of school, I met the best woman ever, who I love so much. I have to throw it in. Who is also growing our fourth kiddo right now, so like, give her all the love and candy and hugs, because she has earned it a lot. <laughs> but graduation came, uh, and I, I started to see friends of mine jumping into full-time ministry. I mean, they were doing, they're growing, they were thriving, which I was so excited to see. Um, I ended up taking a job, a full-time job in the office that I worked at during college. Some time went by. Um, some part-time worship ministry did come my way through the church that I grew up in, um, but more time was going on, and my desire for full-time ministry was still there, um, but I kind of just saw more time progressing. Uh, some ministry interviews did come and quickly went, which there are some fun stories from that. Um, but it really, it came to a point where I just I had to turn to Blythe and say, like, you need to tell me if this whole ministry thing, this door is just closing so I can just kind of move on and kind of make a new path and stop trying to force something. Um, but just, there's some crazy strings of connections. Um, the Toledos got me a con connection with Pastor Micah here. We met for lunch. And they've just, we've been here ever since. They couldn't get rid of us. And it's been five years now, um, and we are just so grateful for that. But up until that point, through all of those unknowns, and even though God was really taking care of us in that time, I had some prayer issues. My approach to prayer was really, quite frankly, infrequent, and it was without a lot of expectations. I didn't seem to know what I was praying for, so I just found myself either unsure of what to pray or just, uh, just not praying at all. I, I didn't know, I didn't believe that God could do something much bigger than I knew to ask. Because if I had, my approach to prayer would have been much different. And you may remember a time like that in your life. Like maybe your path was unclear. Maybe you were lost or scared or maybe you were like, truly hurting in that season. And you missed an opportunity to engage with the Creator. Because my access to God was right there. My, the potential to see God's power in action was right there, but I just wasn't. What we're going to see today, what our main point for this morning is this, that prayer unlocks the power of God on our problems. And we're going to see that in action in a really major way this morning as we we're going to follow Peter on this life or death journey that he is on. And man, okay, so I'll tell you guys, this, we're getting everything in this story. I mean, we've got death, 
We've got prison breaks, we've got angels, we've got a little humor thrown in there, so we're getting, we're getting everything, all right? So buckle up, it's a good story. But what we're also gonna see is that if we want to witness and be an active participant in the true work and power of God on our lives and on our problems, that there are some things that we should and need to take. So our first point this morning is simply this. In times of trouble, I turn to God in prayer. If we believe that prayer unlocks the power of God on our problems, then in times of trouble, we need to turn to God in prayer. So let's, let's kick off our story here, right at the top of verse 1 in chapter 12. It says, About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now this was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. We'll stop there for now. So just a quick refresher. A couple chapters ago, Stephen was stoned to death, which then kicks off this growing persecution against the church. And we're seeing here that things are not looking great already at the top of chapter 12. I mean, we have James executed, uh, Peter is in prison, and Herod just seems determined to destroy the church by just like, wiping out all their most prominent leaders. It also seems that the only reason that Peter wasn't even killed sooner was because it was Passover, this unleavened bread season. And so Peter is just put in prison, but Herod's not going to risk jeopardizing. He's got the favor of the Jews here. So he's not going to risk jeopardizing his position of power by defiling this holy period with an execution as much as he just he wanted Peter gone. But even though he, Herod had to wait, he wasn't going to take any chances. So we see that he just puts him in there with like a bunch of soldiers, all these gates, probably crazy paths to get out. And they have one goal, which is to keep Peter exactly where he is until Herod's just in the clear to finish him off. A lot going on here in a couple of verses, right? And we can probably take some guesses as to how the church is feeling at this point, right? I mean, they're experiencing this persecution. Um, they've seen the deaths of Stephen and James, and now the arrest of Peter. Now, Peter's, at this point, he's been arrested a couple times. He's kind of like a veteran at this. But it's just, it's starting to feel different, right? The, the end is starting to seem much more real. Because you have to assume that they prayed for James, and now here they are again, and things are just, they're not looking good. But what do they do? Because I know what I'd want to be doing at this point. If I were one of them, I'd, like, I'd want to be like scooting out of there really fast, right? But they knew the position they were in, and the, yet the mission was still so clear. It was so clear that in this horrible situation, they didn't run. They didn't scatter further, they gathered. We see here that earnest, continuous prayer was made to God by the church for Peter. And the church, had, I mean, they had to be taking a risk here because Herod had the momentum, he had the favor of the people, um, he was bloodthirsty, yet they quietly were gathering together, huddled to lift up their brother in prayer. They knew what Herod was capable of. They'd seen it firsthand. 
But in their time of trouble, they turned to God in prayer. They turned really to the only hope that they had. It's a simple point, I know. But is this your first response? Is your response to the bad, the horrible, just the unthinkable situations to hunker down, maybe gather some people with you and pray? Or does your response reveal something else? I mean, ask yourself, what does your response to problems in your life reveal about your heart? What does your response to real tragedy reveal about where you put your hope? Charles Spurgeon said this about prayer. He said, prayer girds human weakness with divine strength. He turns human folly into heavenly wisdom, and he gives to troubled mortals the peace of God. We know not what prayer can do. Do you believe this to be true about prayer? I mean, do you see prayer as having the ability to turn all of your weaknesses into God's strength or all of your misunderstandings into this heavenly wisdom? Or do you value prayer at all? Because maybe, maybe I'm already getting ahead of myself here, maybe the question that you're asking is, why even pray? I mean, you might be saying, like, God is God. He already knows what's going to happen. It's, it's all decided, so what's the point of me doing anything anyway, right? Okay, so let's just take a quick pause and look at literally some of the reasons that we should pray. The first I'll mention this morning is that God's word calls us to pray. Should I just stop there? Is that clear enough? Okay, I'll keep going. Now, the Bible clearly states in many different ways that we should pray. I mean, we see like 650 prayers throughout the Bible, many of them explicitly commanding us to pray. And just to throw out a couple here, we have Matthew 6, 5 says, and when you pray. Romans 12, 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray continually. You see, we, we do it as response. We do it as an act of faith and a building of character, and we do it in all things continually. Because if we are to be obedient to him, then prayer must be part of our life in him. The other thing we see in God's word is that Jesus prayed regularly. We have at least 25 written examples of, uh, in scripture of Jesus praying, um, teaching his disciples and others how to pray, and then his prayers during his just most difficult moments in his life. And those are just the recorded instances because in the book of Luke, it says that Jesus would often withdraw to isolated places and pray. And if we are called to live and be like Jesus, and in his life and in his ministry, we see that Jesus' response to all things was to seek his Father in prayer. The last I'll highlight this morning is that prayer aligns our will to God's. I mean, think, how often are we sitting in prayer, asking God for all these things, making a list of our concerns and our desires, and then he starts to stir our hearts, right? Suddenly, our prayers change from, God, I need this to be done, into, just God, have your way be done. Because sometimes God changes the circumstances. 
And sometimes God just changes you. He changes our hearts. He changes our desires to align with his. And when our will starts to align with God's, man, just like be ready to see God's power in action because we see in the Bible that there are countless examples of how aligning our will with his in prayer just yields some incredible results. We see that when Moses aligned his will with God's will, God brought water out of a rock. With Joshua, the sun stood still in its orbit. With David, a giant fell. With Elijah, fire was coming down from heaven. And with Daniel, man, he shut the mouths of lions. Now, did God need these men to display his power? No, not at all. Of course not. God is all-powerful. He's in control of his creation, so why pray? Because prayer is the means God has ordained for some things to happen. It's not that God can't work without our prayers, but he has established prayer as part of his plan for accomplishing his will in this world. So you might be here this morning just like right in the thick of a difficult season. Or maybe you're reflecting on a time in your life when, like me, your first step wasn't just to bring everything to the presence of God. Maybe you put your action into something else. Maybe you just avoided even thinking about your problems, just like hoping they would go away. Maybe you start to blame other people for your situation, or you react with anger or bitterness, um, which then just like digs you into a deeper hole. Maybe you start to turn to other things like lying or stealing or drugs, alcohol, gambling. I mean, let's just keep going on with that list, right? Just all in the hopes that just this one time, this one thing will solve your problems. And you've missed the first step in seeing God's power work in your life. Because you've gone to everything else that you already know has failed you has just left you emptier than before, has created more problems than they've solved. And all the while, God is just calling out to you just to come to him, just to lay it all at his feet. So as we desire to see God's work and power in our lives, our first reaction needs to be to go to God in prayer. The next thing we do, and our next point this morning is this. In times of prayer, I listen for God's response. Times of prayer, I listen for God's response. So let's pick up our story here in verse 6. It says, Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell, He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. Now he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city, It opened for them of its own accord, and they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure 
But the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Okay, we got some crazy stuff going on here, right? <laughs> okay, so here's Peter, at, just basically at death's door. He's just chained between two guards by the wrists, just back in a hole somewhere, just guards and gates and crazy paths everywhere. And because this is the Passover season, this could be like day seven for him in this prison. It also says that Herod was about to bring him out that night. So the end is near, and there is just no sign of a way out. Herod was ready to finish Peter off with the sword. I mean, we're talking like a couple hours left. And then, like, the wildness happens, right? I mean, we've got an angel appears just in a flash of light. His chains fall off, just kicks Peter awake, makes him get dressed, and then just leads him out of the prison. I, when, when I was first reading this, I couldn't help but laugh because I just, just the thought of an angel like having to kick Peter awake, right? Because I just couldn't help but picture my own kids, particularly Weston, um, our three-and-a-half-year-old. There he is. He's so cute. He's, our, he's so sweet, and he's kind of like our worrier, and he's very compassionate, but he also can tend to lead with his very hard head, even like in his kisses. It's kind of like, like slams you in the face. But he means well. And you know, parents, you all... You all have that image you had before you had kids, right? I mean, you just like, you wake up from this like restful slumber and you hear the birds chirping in the distance. And so you kind of like gently float into your child's bedroom where they've like slept 10 hours straight without any problems at all. So you lean over and you just gently whisper like, darling child, time to wake from your slumber. Let's start our glorious day, right? We all had that image and if you say that's what happens now, you're lying, you're lying. No, it's actually, this is what it's like for me. I'm asleep in my bed. Weston comes up to our door and just goes like, kaboom! Good morning, Daddy! Then he just flips on every light in our house, some I did not know existed. And so I just have to look at my very bright phone. I see it's way earlier than I expected. And he only has a shirt on, so I'm not sure where the rest of his clothes are. Uh, but he pokes me in the face just to let me know that he's very hungry and then just like, gently guides me out into the hallway, into the kitchen. And I don't know if I'm asleep or if this is really happening, but I am making Weston his oatmeal. I'm awake, I'm out of bed, and just as sure as he's eating that oatmeal, Peter is leaving this prison. <laughs> now, whether Peter thinks it's a vision or if it's really happening, he has to do something here, you see it? He has to listen. Because without this rescuer, without this plan that was laid out for him, Peter is not going to get out of this prison. He knew that he could do nothing to rescue himself. So all he could do was just open his ears and listen. So ask yourself this morning, are you so chained by your problems that you aren't hearing God responding? Are you just so deep in your mess, that while God is giving you the path and the tools necessary just to lead you out of your prison, you aren't getting up, you aren't getting dressed, you aren't following him to freedom. Peter knew that no matter if it's a vision or not, he had to listen for instruction. So why wouldn't he? I mean, he's here at the end, we're talking final moments, 11th hour kind of stuff here, and just when he's at peace enough to get some sleep, that's when God steps in. It can feel like that in our lives sometimes, right? 
we're just at the end of our ropes, when it feels like it's all over, and then God comes in like a flash of light and just rescues us in the most unexpected ways. And when he shows up, he tends to do what it takes to make his presence known, right? But we see here that the angel isn't just dragging Peter out of this prison, right? He gives him the means to escape, but Peter has to do something. He has to listen. He has to follow instruction. Because it's one thing just to pray and pray and pray. Now, here we are. We're talking about the power of prayer, obviously. Good thing. But if we aren't prepared to hear this answer, we may miss out on God just revealing exactly what we need for our escape. It may come in unexpected ways, like in the form of a Sunday morning when you may just be there busy making a list of other things that are going on in your life. It may come in your accountability time, in your small group, when you'd rather just the focus finally be on someone else, like stop talking about my problems, right? Or maybe it's your daily scripture reading that's revealing God's truth to you, but like, let's be honest, you're just doing it so you can check it off the Bible app, right? God's trying to respond, and you're missing him. God is coming in with this flash of light, and you're missing him. He's kicking you upside the head, and you're missing him. How can we experience the power of God in our lives if we aren't tuned in to hear his response to our prayers? So don't miss him. So once we've turned to God in prayer and listened for his response, the last thing we need to do to experience the full power of God on our problems is our final point this morning. In God's response, I trust his answer. Trust his answer. So let's finish our story here, starting in verse 12. It said, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. And they said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James. Now this is James, uh, the brother of Jesus at this point and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Okay, so probably the smart thing for Peter to do at this point after being let out of prison was just to, like, to get out of there for safety, right? But he knew that his people were praying for him. So he sneaks over to Mary's house and just starts like knocking at the gate, right? He just wants to get in. So he's knocking and he's knocking. He's like, hello. Finally, okay, so this young servant girl comes Here's Peter's voice, because he's probably like, let me in, I'm trying to get out of here, you know, right? Um, but she just gets so excited, runs in to tell the prayers, and just totally forgets to let Peter in. <laughs> Which is actually kind of funny. I'm, I don't think Peter was laughing at that point, but like we've got a couple years of hindsight that we can kind of laugh, right? It's, it's funny. Anyway. 
But we see here two very different responses to the prayers of the people. Here's this young girl, hadn't even seen Peter's face. It is so sure, just by his voice alone, that something miraculous has happened. That God has brought Peter out of his prison. That she just completely forgets about him just because she can't wait to express her joy that their prayers have been answered. And they can't believe it. This girl runs in, probably like interrupts their prayers in this moment to tell them that Peter is at the gate. What's their response? It's that she is out of their, her mind. Thankfully, not deterred, right? She continues on. If they were ready to even believe that it was his angel at the gate before their prayers had actually been answered. So it took Peter knocking, knocking, remember, he's still at the gate, he like wants to get in here, for them to finally come to the gate, see his face, and finally participate in God's answered prayer. We see here that earnest prayer means being ready for answered prayer. Because whether they were ready for their prayer to be answered or not, like God was answering. God's mission was ready to continue. They, they needed to catch up. The prayers were earnest, but their belief that God could deliver was lacking. It was so lacking that they almost missed seeing their prayers answered because they couldn't trust that God had actually done it. This girl, though, knew immediately what God had done. She believed and trusted that God had just displayed his power in just a, a mighty way. And without her persistence, the very people that were praying for Peter might never have witnessed it. And think too, Peter knew he was still in trouble, which is why he keeps knocking at this gate. The first gate, you'll notice, that has not just swung open for him, so he's probably like used to like just walking through. Because it wouldn't be long before Herod finds out what happens and then just goes in like full rage mode. But Peter is just so reinvigorated and on mission that he had to share what God had done. He knew that the church needed to experience what he has experienced, seeing the power of God responding to this horrible situation. In that moment, Peter was ready to further the mission. Now, it doesn't mention here in this passage where Peter went, but he did go to another place, uh, probably for the safety of himself and for the church, but also he knows he's going to further the mission of the gospel. But he was just kicked in the head by an angel. He was let out of prison. He had to wait by a gate because some poor girl just got way too excited. And then what? He spends literally just enough time there to share the amazing answered prayer and then keeps moving forward. Church, God is not answering our prayers just for us to sit back and be comfortable. He's leading us out of our prisons into another place. So you ready to go? Are you ready to go? Or are you still there in earnest prayer all the while that answered prayer is standing there knocking at the gate and all you can say is you are out of your mind? I'm telling you, if you're going to God with that big prayer, I mean, just like praying with everything you have, 
you need to also be ready for God to respond because eventually he is going to answer. It might not be today. It might not be in this next week. I know sometimes it feels like there is a time of waiting, but he will respond. And you need to be ready to listen and to trust him. In the uh, book of John, uh, Jesus comes upon a blind man. And then his disciples decide to ask him whose sin caused him to be blind. Was it his or his parents? Which, okay, the guy is blind, not deaf. So you have to just assume when he heard them ask this question, he's probably like, gee, thanks, maybe it was your sin. Like, at insult to injury here. But look at Jesus' response, John 9.3. It says, he answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the work of God might be displayed in him. Jesus goes on to heal this blind man who then testifies to what has been done to the people. And later in the passage, this man puts his faith in Jesus and just falls down and worships him. God's responses to our prayers often look like this. Because it's not... It's not who's the most deserving or uh, who, who's the lucky winner of the answered prayer for the day or are you going to get everything you asked for? But his response will be in such a way so that the power of God might be displayed in you. I'll tell you, like, once we get past our fears or our selfishness, man, that sounds like a much better answer than the one I was ever hoping for, right? That God's work God's great power, his majesty, his glory might be displayed in me. So while these people were gathering, praying for God to move, they weren't even ready for the work of God to be displayed. They they weren't ready to believe that God had actually answered their prayers. I believe their prayers were sincere. I mean, God clearly was responding But we see that even in our inability just to pick our heads up and see the answer at the gate, God is still at work. But our readiness to believe will allow us the opportunity to experience God's power in action. We're seeing here that when the church prays, the cause of God will go forward. Don't you want to be part of that? Don't you want to be part of the cause of God? I know I do. Let's not miss it. We see that the gospel is unstoppable. We see in today's story that the gospel can do the impossible. And he uses his power on their problems really to reignite the church. I mean, look at them. They they go from solemn, fervent prayer to this overjoyed crowd needing to be silenced by Peter. I mean, they may be ready to do far more for the gospel than they ever have before. As I shared this morning in part of our story, uh, so Blythe and I were here at Harvest, and God had had just started answering some long-awaited unknowns in our life, and we were so happy to find this church, and we still are. And through that year, just everything felt so right. Then we found out Blythe was pregnant, again with our second child, and it just felt like everything was falling into place. And then, unfortunately, a miscarriage came into our life for the first time. Um, uh, Our joy 
our security was ripped from us, and fear and doubt began to replace it. And then when we found out Blythe was pregnant again, not too long after that, this time with our early riser, Weston, uh, we were mostly just scared that it would happen again. And so through all of that anxiety and all of that uh, unknown and worry, um, I, was, I was working in an office. Um, now, this was a couple jobs ago. This was outside of ministry. But I was working in an office that I would describe as having become um, increasingly negative just from the, the top down. It came to a point when my character and my work ethic and just pretty much everything um, about me was just slandered and completely cut down. So then I was, I was brought into my boss's office, I and mean, I was given a probationary warning that if I did something that they didn't like, um, I was going to be fired. And this was uh, right before the Christmas season of that year, so that felt really good. Uh, Blythe and I joke a lot that I have a really horrible memory. Like She just remembers all of these crazy details about her childhood and things in her life growing up, and like I just cannot remember any of those. Sorry, Mom. I, like, I, I also can't remember things that happened like two weeks ago or things Blythe tells me is happening a couple weeks from now, so it's probably a problem. I don't know. I'm not going to look into it. <laughs> but I can tell you that I remember every single moment of that meeting. I remember like my shaking hands and my tight, closed-up throat, and then the phone call that I had to make to Blythe on my drive home where I just like, finally broke down in tears just from the sheer embarrassment of feeling like a complete, absolute failure, just as a husband, as a father, as a person. So what came next was just a crazy season of like real, true panic attacks in the bathroom at work, um, worry and stress that I carried home to my family every single night while just wanting to like angrily and furiously leave this job that had broken me. Then, like Peter, I got kicked awake. Had I brought any of this to the Lord? Had I unburdened myself at all through just full on-my-face prayer? And so prayer started. Real, earnest prayer. Prayer through the panic attacks. Prayer through the worry. And the process was slow. This was a full year of time that went by. And there was a long period of time when I didn't feel like I heard from God. But what started as prayer to get me out of that environment slowly turned into prayer to grow me in that environment. All the while, I didn't think that I was hearing from God through my faithfulness to him in prayer. He was changing my heart. And I began to carry on in the mission that I knew God had given me. I began connecting with my younger workers more, uh, encouraging them, pouring into their lives to the point that I was actually a groomsman in one of the guy's weddings. Uh, and when the day did come that God provided that next step for me, I didn't leave that office full of shame or anger or disgrace. I left knowing that while I couldn't have changed the circumstances, through prayer, God had just changed me. He provided me an opportunity for a way out in just the unlikeliest of ways. By bringing me to a place where 
I knew that all I could do was just fall down in sincere, earnest prayer and just simply be ready for this response when it came. I would have missed out on some real moments with the Lord, like real amazing opportunities to minister to others and ultimately the fulfillment of my mission had I just not stopped and sought out the Lord in prayer. This story we read this morning is set in a context of just mounting persecution and the church could not save themselves from it. But all they could do was pray. And sometimes we feel the same way about our situations we face, right? I mean, you may be here right in the middle of something horrible. You may be battling a severe illness. Maybe you have insecurity about your job or you're just feeling so incredibly overwhelmed financially. Maybe you're trying to lead someone to the Lord or you've lost a loved one. Or maybe your family is just falling apart or just maybe it just feels like everything is crumbling around you. This is the time. This is the time to just fall on your knees, cry out to the Lord, don't run, don't try to fix it on your own, but gather. Seek his face in prayer. Believe that God can do a mighty work in your life, on your situation, on your heart today. As I said this morning, prayer unlocks the power of God on our problems. And now I, I can't tell you that your prayers will bring down an angel in the physical form in a flash of light and break your chains and release you from your prison exactly like Peter. But what I have seen is God's power revealed through something as simple as an encouraging word spoken. Maybe from a small group leader, your pastor, or just a friend here stepping in and speaking truth. I've seen it in people here just rallying around and pulling people out of their despair. I have seen you come together to help someone in their brokenness, to fulfill and answer a need. I've seen people here step in and cover others in prayer when they were seemingly in their last hours in just desperate need of escape. Don't miss God's power in your life just because it's sent in these unlikely forms. I also can't tell you that God's answer is going to be yes, but what I, I can't tell you that he's going to deliver exactly what you ask for. But he is going to answer. I can tell you that just as Jesus told his disciples, his answer will be so that the works of God might be displayed in you. I can tell you that the power of God is bigger than anything this world has in store for you. It's stronger than any of your weaknesses. God's power is brighter than any dark prison that you are in. So go to God in prayer. Listen for his response and simply trust his answer. Engage in the work of God and experience the true power of God in your life. Would you stand with me? Close in prayer and then we'll respond this morning singing a song of response. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you not only desire for us to come to you 
just in all circumstances, that you hear us and you respond. Lord, we desire to see your power, your mighty hand just working in our lives, in our most difficult situations, and in every answer, and every outcome. We desire for the works of God to be displayed in us. Lord, shape us, just mold us to be a people that never hesitate to engage with you in prayer, in communication with our Creator. Help us to, just to open our ears, to listen for your answer. And when you do respond, help us to believe, to trust that it is your power.